When you wake up, does it naturally go into that position close to it? No, I wake up and it looks like I'm like a possessed troll doll. Oh, there's like a really, <laughs> there can be like a really intense, like straight up sort of moment. Yeah. And like really flat on the back. Oh, no, it's Do you have coarse hair? hair? Bad. Now, the grayer it gets, the coarser it is. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's different than it used to. Mm. Yeah, it's totally different texture. My hair is so fine that if it, when I wake up, it's just all the same. It's just like. <laughs> it's super fine, like the hair of a baby. It's a baby's, <laughs> baby's arm hair. <laughs> like a balding baby's arm hair. <laughs> We're not going to edit that out. Are you recording? Yeah, of course I am. I'm so glad. (laughs) At least a blooper reel somewhere in there. Okay. Yep. Good? I'm good now. (laughs) It's a funny intro to the uh, this week's edition of the Kamloops Real Estate Insider. I'm here with the Laffy Mally J. (laughs) I'm already laughing. I can't stop. Oh, I'm crying a little bit too. Crying is good. Oh, it's got to cry it's once good. in a while. Yeah, it's good for you. But on this podcast, there'll be no crying. No tears. There's no crying in baseball. No tears. Um, got a good podcast here for you. It's a short one, but we're discussing BIRs, PIRs, comfort letters, permits, and other related paper jargon. <laughs> yeah, mis- miscellany. Miscellany information. So when you are purchasing a home and your real estate agent is writing you an offer, there typically, in our region anyways, um, there typically is a condition known as the BIR, or in some cases, PIR or comfort letter, Mm -hmm. which are pretty much all the same thing. But we'll discuss what a BIR is on this podcast and what the importance of it is when making an offer. And then we're going to look at why it's important to pull those suckers before you list a property so that you are aware of what the underlining issues could be uh, regarding building permits on your property. Very good. Good intro? I think so. All right. Let's rock it. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. So a BIR or a PIR, or comfort mm-hmm. letter, from this point forward in the podcast, I'm just going to use the word BIR. <laughs> to encompass all of those terms. What is it? It stands for Building Information Request, mm-hmm. but it's commonly called a report. <laughs> and I like the word report because it makes sense. It feels like something very formal, solid and yeah. formal. Yeah. yeah. But it's a request to the jurisdiction... Uh, the building jurisdiction having authority over your property. In our case here in Kamloops and underlying areas, we only have two authorities, and that is the Kamloops Building Inspection Division, and then we have the Thompson-Nicola Regional District for outside the city limits and the surrounding areas, the outlying areas around Kamloops that are not actually in the city limits. So these building authorities 
essentially keep all the records and data on construction that happens um, on your dwelling. Mm-hmm. So when you are building a home, let's say you're building a home in the city council up in Aberdeen, you're going to apply to the city council building inspection division for a permit to construct a home. And there's obviously a number of criteria that you have to meet, including the zoning and, and usage of the property, as well as the BC building code and how your home is allowed to be built. Right. Okay. Which is, is very informative stuff. And it's not necessarily something you need to know as a real estate agent or a buyer, all those details. But what you do need to know is that a permit was pulled, meaning somebody with the right um, understanding and uh, approval system for that construction has overseen the project. And then finally that it got finalized Mm -hmm. and that there was a final uh, on your inspection permit. Yeah. And it's deemed to be done. Okay. Like a completed project. A completed project. Okay. Okay. So where this gets complicated and why it's important as real estate agents to evaluate properties for this type of stuff is that should you be buying a home that appears to be completed, but yet the authority, the building authority has indicated that they haven't done a inspection or a number of inspections or in worst case scenario, there's no permit indicating that anything had been done under supervision of the authority, building authority. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and this happens, um, I would say it happens less in the city limits because there's lots of bylaw officers that are cruising around and evaluating stuff. But outside of the city limits, when you get up a gravel road and you may own hundreds of acres and there's nobody beyond you, it's very simple to go up there and construct a home. Nobody's going to be coming up and checking on you, right? Right. Where it gets, like where the checking process typically hits stumbling blocks on rural properties is services. Oh. So when you're building a home in a rural mountainside area, I don't know why I had that include mountains. It doesn't (laughs) have to be on the mountains. It sounds nice though. Yeah, it sounds nice. Is that you're going to, you're probably going to get your own water from a well and you're going to build a septic system for your excretion. <laughs> Is that appropriate terminology? So funny. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> but where are you going to get the electricity to power your iPhone? So if you're what's considered to be off grid, means you're pretty much doing your power thing yourself. Okay. But most people that are outside the city limits are not usually willing to take on the power source issue themselves. Okay. So that's where... Sounds like a big job. Yeah. So that's where you're tying into the grid is where, you know, they want to start seeing permits. So it's tough to get power if you have not pulled a permit to build a house. Okay. Okay. So that's their leverage. Right. Right. And sorry, can I just ask, is it just for a house or could it be like, it can be like for a garage or any, an outbuilding or any... Any construction. Yeah. That's defined. It'll be defined in your bylaw of your area. So in the city of Kamloops, Mm -hmm. um, if you're building a shed... In theory, there is a permit process for that, um, which is maybe considered a tax grab. <laughs> but there are some rules around where they want it located and, and the size requirement. Like Set you can back only from build the property lines. Yeah, you can only build this size. Uh, outside of that size, you need to get more detailed, and okay. it has to be on a foundation or whatever. So there's a set of rules within the bylaws for a community yeah. or what have you. It's more flexible in the TNRD. You can build a pretty large oh. structure without a permit. Um, 
I don't know what that structure is offhand, but you're allowed to build non-permitted structures like barns mm-hmm. and bigger structures when you have acreage and you're outside of the... I see. When okay. you're outside of an area where building something of that magnitude would affect a neighbor. That makes sense. Right? Okay. Whereas if you're in the city of Kamloops on a 7,500 square foot lot, you decide to build a non-conforming shop mm-hmm. at the two points of someone else's intersection of their property. Right. You're really tampering with their, their lot. I see. Okay, so it's a nice way to like manage how people's people affect other people with their construction. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Understood. So let's go back to. I think the we've defined. Side I think we've <laughs> dined, defined like a permit. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. the purpose of a permit. Yeah. Okay. So then, let's say you, as a buyer, are interested in buying a particular property, mm-hmm. and your real estate agent says, you know, this guy's asking X amount of money, and you decide you're going to approach the offer at this number and go back and forth. You come up to a a number, uh, some terms and some dates that you can both agree on. Mm -hmm. um, And then you purchase the property. Okay. Now let's say in your due diligence, you've decided to get a home inspection. Mm -hmm. A home inspection is not going to reveal whether or not permits have been pulled on that property. Uh They're going to look, they're actually not really looking for permit related issues. They're not supposed to be permit Savvy. Right. Although the word permit and code come up in a number of aspects of a home inspection, but it's not required. It's not, you're not getting a building inspection, a permit building inspection when you hire a home inspector. Right. You're getting a performance evaluation, not was this built to code. Okay. Because the code's continuously changing. Mm -hmm. And so... If you're inspecting a 1960s home, that home, is, if it was built perfectly to code in its day, is not going to meet much of the code today. Oh. So. Makes sense. You might get a very interesting aspect on what the home's performance level is by getting a home inspection. Mm-hmm. Performance, you, like, I mean, no, I don't want to go too deep into it because I know we're trying to talk about BARs, but um, yeah, hot water tank function, roof, like mechanical stuff yeah. that... That's what you mean by performance? Let's say structurally performing well would mean that Got it's it. not settling and cracked and moving. And, okay. And I like the word performance because lots of times there's opinions that people have about particular structures mm-hmm. that I don't think that's built right mm-hmm. kind of mentality, but it might be performing adequately and may have been performing adequately for a numerous amount of years. Oh, okay. It's hard to take away its its um, performance through its life so far from what it could or should have been built right to that standard. Okay, thank you. Okay. Whereas the code plays a big part in that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you get a you get a home inspector goes through and and you might find some issues or you might not find some issues or whatever, but you feel satisfied that the home's performance level mechanically structurally is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you want to move to the next level of due diligence, which would be evaluating the building information request Mm -hmm. from the jurisdiction of having authority for building in that area. And that would tell you whether or not it was built under permit, if there was permits that have been not completed. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it'll also tell you if there's bylaw contraventions as well. Okay. And that could also show you indication of permit problems. For example, in the city of Kamloops, if you have a non-conforming suite, commonly referred to as an illegal suite, (laughs) meaning a suite built without 
under permit supervision. And there's been issues with that suite, complaints made by neighbors, whatever. Then you may be visited by a bylaw officer who is going to flag your home for having a suite that's non-conforming. Okay. And that might show up because that person now, if he's, if his suite's been terminated on his property, he might not be able to afford making mortgage payments. So he might have to move and sell it. Mm-hmm. And you as a buyer should be aware if that's been flagged right. for its, its suite, because that would be a, a major function in your use if you purchased it. Makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. So the bylaw infraction's not a major component to it, but it is there. Um, the bigger component would be outstanding permits. Right. And there's some significance to outstanding permits, even if you might just not care about them. <laughs> okay. Just because you don't care about them doesn't mean they don't exist. Right. <laughs> okay. You have a problem with authority, maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. Um, so let's say you are purchasing a property and the home has, uh, you, you pull the BIR mm-hmm. and you get this report, request report, I'm call it a report. And it says that there is a, um, um, a permit to construct a dwelling and it's, uh, 2018, uh, but no final, uh, inspection has been completed on the property. Okay. Okay. There today when you, I don't want to dive too much in the permit process, but I just went through it. So there's a number of, of process in a final occupancy situation for a home. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just you pull a permit, you get a final. There's a number of inspections that happen throughout that process. Uh, before the final. Yeah. Okay. And you're not going to, you're probably not going to see all those pieces to, to your um, incomplete final on a BIR. Mm-hmm. It's just going to indicate, it's like a flag. It's saying, hey, there's an issue. You need to do more research on this. I see. Okay. And in that incomplete file, you might find that a final inspection didn't happen Mm -hmm. and that permit is now expired, meaning that Mm -hmm. they only give you a certain amount of time to complete a job and then it expires. And in order to reactivate that, you're going to have to pay some more money, have an inspector come back out, evaluate the situation and give you another, um, a list of actions that need to be taken in order to get the final. Open the process again, basically. Totally. Okay. But there's problems with having expired permits because the code is changing. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure that you're completing your permit inside of a particular code period. Right. Like that is the ideal situation. Right. Yeah. And the code is actually changing quite rapidly um, currently. The there's building a, code. The building code is okay. changing considerably. So if you had a permit that was pulled in 1970 and 1980 came along, I bet you there wouldn't be much change in that process. Mm-hmm. But now you're not seeing 10 years go by without up major changes to the building code. Interesting. Okay. So, so let's assume you've purchased a property and you have an outstanding permit yeah. on your property. And it's a, it never had a final for, right. for uh, occupancy. They basically mean final, final. And you decide, I don't care. Whatever. House is good. Home inspector says it's good. I know lots about houses and it's good. I'm just going to buy it. Well, that might be a major flag for a mortgage company, first of all. Oh. They might not be super interested in having properties that don't have finals. Mm -hmm. So it could be a real flag for them. Um, Let's say you are paying cash. It could be a flag when you go to sell it. It might be a flag later down the road. Mm -hmm. And it might be more difficult to fix later down the road, depending on 
what the issues are. Right. It's it's tricky because it's like, okay, if you love you you fall in love with a home, okay, an issue comes back on the BAR, and you think, oh, maybe it's something I can take on. There's not a lot of time before you need to sort of finalize your deal. Yeah. Like, is there enough time in that window to really understand what implic like how long of a process that could be to remediate any issues from the BIR? You know, like I just I just feel like there's a kind of a gap there. You you don't really know the scope of what you're taking on. Yeah, you probably won't without calling the inspection division mm-hmm. and figuring out more about what the process needs yeah. to happen, which is going to cost money because they're going to have to come out and evaluate and start with a new process, mm-hmm. right? And but like not to say, or is that to say that if, a, if you're interested in a property and it comes back with issues on the BIR, like should you move along or is it really just about doing I looking think, deeper? I think it's about looking deeper and okay. fa- finding out a solution to the problem mm-hmm. because sometimes the problems are huge and they're just opinions. Mm-hmm. And then other times those same problems can be resolved pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah. A uh, recent experience was with a property that uh, was assumed to not have a permit in place. It was a manufactured home that was dropped on a piece of property mm-hmm. And in the time frame that that home was put there, it wasn't required to do geotechnical work on the ground before putting a home. Mm-hmm. But now a new covenant has come in requiring geotechnical for basically making sure the ground is stable okay. by an engineer mm-hmm. before building any or constructing any dwellings. And so that's a real problem <laughs> because you can't remove the house. That's a big step. Check the ground yeah. again and then put the house back, right? Right. So th- sometimes they can be really nasty things to chew off and sometimes they're just as as simple as um, I've had one where the final was not complete and when the inspector came out, there was like six or seven little notes that he'd made and it was literally the homeowner. It took him half a day on a Sunday on a trip to Home Depot to fiddle everything up oh. and it was done and he came back and finalized it and away we went. That's the ideal <laughs> scenario. Yeah, okay. Totally, yeah. And so the importance of that is to do your due diligence mm-hmm. um, and, and assure that you know what it is that you're buying, particularly in a home where you have threat of underlining issues mm-hmm. that could be from the permit. But I also want to highlight another issue that can come up with expired building permits. Let's say you have an outstanding permit for a bathroom renovation. There was a major addition to the house and they put a bathroom on the side of the house. Okay. And the permit was pulled and it expired and time had moved on. Mm-hmm. And you buying the house decide you want to build a detached shop on the property. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying hundred percent certainty, but there is a world where they might say, before I give you the permit for your shop, you need to finish the bathroom that was started maybe even prior to you owning the home. Oh. So you might get sucked into doing other stuff before a new project comes along. And uh-huh. that's not, I'm not saying that. I mean, I know it's on record. I just said it on a podcast, <laughs> but I don't think that's a static line. Right. It may not always work that way, but that is a possibility. I think a detached shop oh. was a bad example, but maybe something attached to the home, like a, okay. like a garage on the home, that might be something that would require it. What if a permit was pulled and no work was ever started on that uh, bathroom renovation scenario? Could you, like, can you, can you delete a pulled permit? I think so. Okay. Yep. 
Like <laughs> cancels let's say, maybe the word I was looking for. Yeah, you pull a permit and then you never really get around to starting and yeah. then it expires. I think you just have an inspection to indicate that nothing was no work. Had been yeah. Done. yeah. I'm sure there's, yeah, there's a process for that too. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, in the jurisdictions around Kamloops, there's some complexity to it. Um, the village of Chase has their own system that they use, even though they don't operate the the authority for building, but they operate the authority for bylaw con- contravention. Mm. And so it gets complicated with them. Um, it's, it's It takes a lot longer to get an information request done through them. Yeah. And so if you're a realtor out there and you're listing properties in certain areas of the, of the, of our, of our area, (laughs) of our district, it's really good that you order these early into the transaction as opposed to, um, you know, waiting until you get an offer and then someone asks for it because two weeks is probably too long for, um, chase. Right. For the village of chase. And, and also like, I think cash Creek is another one that has like their own system. They have their own bylaws, but the TNRD governs the building inspection side of it. Right. So expect a little more time to get your information report. It's a third body in there that's going to... And I just, I don't know if we said it so clearly, but like in a real estate, you know, purchase contract, this is a clause. Getting a building information request is a condition of the sale. So it's important. A a normal condition. Typical, yeah. It's not always in there. If you're buying a strata property in a, you know, in an apartment building that's been around for 10 years, I don't know if you necessarily need a building information request. Like it does become mm-hmm. habitual that we, we ask for them. Yeah. But there's a world where there's no way that you put an addition on the side of this apartment <laughs> sure. without the strata's notice, right? Okay. And there's just ways where you could understand that there's not been something that's happened here, but uh, it's a good practice to get into. Um, there has been some new recent news uh, in the TNRD area, which um, I'll kind of get into it. So you have to remember that there was a time when we didn't have computers, right? Right, And so building reports and, uh, you know, files would be on microfiche, they would mm-hmm. be in folders, they would be paper copies. Mm-hmm. The TNRD and the city of Calumps used to have these teeny tiny little yellow sheets. They were like... The, a third the size of a regular eight by 11 piece yeah, of paper. Like an index card or something. Just size. slightly bigger. Yeah. And that was their inspection report. Oh. They would just take little boxes and, sit and write down a couple notes and an initial. And the notes were not legible in some cases. <laughs> Scrawl. And that was the file. That's what your file was. I, I've seen them before where you look at these old uh, inspection reports and you're trying to make out what the deficiency is. You need 10 people's opinion to figure out. Is that an E or an S? Or yeah. yeah. Is that foundation or is that step? I can't even tell the difference. So, you know, nowadays everything is going on to the interweb. <laughs> nowadays. Nowadays. In the last yeah. 25 years or whatever. But uh-huh. so there's a there's a point at which that paper could have been lost, yeah. could have been improperly filed. Mm-hmm. And in the Thompson-Nicola Regional District, they have a sort of a cutoff date. Whereas if you have an expired building permit prior to 1998, they're just saying, hey, we're not going to evaluate this further. We're not going to try and enforce action on these. Mm-hmm. We're just going to tell you that it was an expired building permit. You should very much do your due diligence before buying this property or whatever the issue may be with regards to that 
permit. Yeah. But we're, there's no further action going right. to be taken from the local building authority. Yeah. Like unenforceable. Unenforceable. Okay. Yeah. But that date just changed. Hey. It's been 1998 for a long time, right? That as long as I've off. been a realtor. Okay. Yeah. Up until today. Okay. Wow. And I don't know exactly when it changed. I'm sure it didn't happen today, but today's <laughs> the day I found out about it. It's fairly recent. So now it's 2013. That's uh, that. Yeah. That's significant. That's a big change. That's huge. That was only 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. So, and their, their reasoning for that was essentially that um, they've had stronger uh, measures and they basically don't feel that that era between 98 and 2013 has a lot of really unfulfilled permits. Mm -hmm. Most of it has been cleaned up and taken care of and people have been getting finals and, and, and the majority of that process has happened the way it's supposed to happen. Cool. And so now prior to 2013, an expired building permit will live on your, your report forever. Mm -hmm. Um, They won't take it off. They won't evaluate it or come and do an inspection on it. They're just saying it happened deal with it. We're not going to enforce it. Okay. Interesting. Um, but now on the topic of enforcement, yeah. let's talk about what they can do if they yeah. want to enforce. So, uh, the TNRD has what's called a section 57 notice. And this is a, this is a more aggressive approach at trying to get people to fulfill inspections or if they've built a structure without a permit, they have this ability to um, section you with the Section 57 notice that can go on your title, can be um, registered on your title. So that makes it very difficult for ownership to change hands. Okay. Because no bank is going to give somebody a mortgage on a property that has this Section 57 on it from the local building authority saying, hey, there's a major issue here. It could be a dangerous situation. Mm. There could be a risk for somebody. Yeah. Um, there could be just something that was like ignorantly avoided. Right. Um, and it's a serious problem. And, and, and to resolve that problem, that needs to happen prior to any change of hands on title. Yeah. And I can recall a property that was for sale that had no permits uh, at Section 57 on title for a complete house on this 20-acre chunk of property in Pritchard, I believe it was. It had the Section 57 on it had title? had Section um, 57 on title. And this home was, you couldn't get financing. Oh, no. But they weren't not going to take any measures to get it fixed. They were literally saying, buy it as is, hope you bring your wallet. <laughs> bring some cash. <laughs> bring some cash. Okay. Because the house was built without following any guidelines. <laughs> and there was no way you were going to make this house pass a, a final inspection. <laughs> <laughs> no engineer was going to look at this and say, okay, here's the nine things you need to do to make it safe. Like, it mm-hmm. was just built, like... Let's just add another room here. Let's just do this. Let's okay. we'll just put a piece of wood here. That looks about Built the right spot. Organically. Yeah. <laughs> On feel. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. So so section fifty seven is like a pretty severe uh, move course for them. of action. Yeah. Course of action that's it's not handed out lightly. It's probably after several warnings. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna sneak it's one not of those a surprise. On title. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You've I I knew I knew a person who decided they were going to build like an entire lodge, mm-hmm. rec- recreational lodge in the Thompson Nicola Regional District, and they cool. weren't going to do any building authority stuff. They were like, nope, we're just going to build it. Huh. And they built like seven or eight cabins without pulling any permits. They had a Section 57 on their title. Okay. And they were like, okay, 
cool. We have a section 57. We don't have any intentions in selling either. So we're just going to carry on. So in their situation, they just carry on. Like there's nothing more that you can really do Mm -hmm. at that point that at least that I'm aware of. Yeah. That's interesting. But they already had power because the power authority can come into it. If you're trying to build, I know another situation and I'm not going to give too many details about this one, but there was in the process of getting a permit to build a house, there was an, uh, an issue between inspector and builder and the builder was the homeowner mm-hmm. an intelligent guy. Like he, he understand what he was doing. Yeah. And in that altercation, he just decided I'm not pulling the permit. I want to refute my permit. And so the threat was that you'd get a section 57 and you would never get power. Uh-oh. So he just built a wind generator and oh backup <laughs> diesel generator. And he just, built this house and made it work, made it work, but there's going to come a day in his yeah. estate sale mm-hmm. or something along the lines of whoever's taking over that property. Yeah. That it's going to be, it's really going to reduce the value of the property. Yeah. Cause it would either require, I'm just assuming that it would either require a tear down. This one would. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with this house is built very well. Ah, that's a shame. Well, fascinating though, where like regulation and people just trying to live their lives, like, you know, freely with doing what they choose on their own property. There's, there's a funny tension between those two priorities. It's communism. (laughs) 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 Well, like, you know, with safety in mind, like I see the, the reasoning for it with, you know, like in the city limits or, you know, to make sure everyone's doing everything safely. But really the, the authorities who have, like the jurisdiction over um, building permits or whatnot, yeah. they only know about permits that have been requested. Or as you were saying in the city of Kamloops where there's bylaw officers yeah. roaming, looking for these kinds of things and pulling up reports on the street, right? Like yeah. if a bylaw officer in Kamloops sees a half-built garage on Nicholas Street downtown. He's going to look into it. They're going to like look into it. Totally. But um, yeah, it's only only when... Well, if you, if, so you build something and no one sees mm-hmm. in the middle of somewhere where there's just no visible access. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Go live <laughs> your life. Be free. But what's going to happen one day is you're going to want to sell it. Right. And then you're going to want the value for what you built. Mm-hmm. But if there's a real estate agent involved, a good one, they're going to look into the permit process for whatever that structure was. Yeah. And they're going to see that there was no permit for it. Mm-hmm. And that could be a major flag. And that serves to protect the next buyer for the Yeah, main totally. Line. Okay. Yeah. And it's part of a bigger system. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, if you go to Mexico, the permit process is very light. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of areas where it's very risky. Electrical is not regarded as being the worst way to die, I guess. <laughs> just like less regulation. It's about the cartel it. that they're worried about. Oh gosh. <laughs> Electrical shock is just a safe way to go. Oh um, my God. <laughs> well they they have no like I've been to, I've had two close calls with electrical issues in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. You said. I, I was in a brand new resort <laughs> and there was these tiny little tiled pockets in the floor where lights would go out and shine, make this really cool ambiance on the floor. Yeah. And I had small children and I looked in these pockets that some of them had lights and some of them didn't. And there was just wires. Just sparking. And I just <laughs> gradually grabbed the wire. And there was I, no cover? 
There was nothing. It was oh just a wire God. laying in a hole. And this is a nice resort. Yeah. Brand new. And I grabbed the wire and I pull it out and I asked my wife to unscrew the light bulb in the lamp and I stick the light bulb on it so I can put both wires on it. And she was glowing. <laughs> she was live. A live wire. And I, I called the front desk and I had them come down and evaluate this. And all they did was send like a 14-year-old bowl, a boy with a roll of tape to tape it up. <laughs> so like they just don't regard things as they're not worried about. They got the bigger problems. Mm-hmm. The issue for us as Canadians is that we need to, one, we need to protect our investment. Right. So when you buy a home in Kamloops, you don't want somebody next to you doing something that doesn't flow properly with what you have done. It'll affect your value. Okay. So if I built a house in Sun Rivers, now I'm complicating because there's a different authority (laughs) on the reserve, but let's say I build a home in, in, in Dufferin Heights. Okay. And it's on a 7,500 square foot lot and I use the appropriate amount of the lot space to build my structure. And there's probably a building scheme and covenants. And the next guy next to you drops down a 42-year-old modular home and decides to run a pig farm next to you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all part of the, right. the, the bylaws. Bylaw, zoning. And, and the zoning, yeah, right? Of course. Yeah. So they would affect the value of your home. Mm-hmm. And so... There's nothing wrong with a modular home and raising pigs, but it's just, it's, that's not the location for it. Right. So you have to find your location that's zoned properly for that activity and then do that and then sell me some of that fine bacon because <laughs> I'm bacon. into it. Nothing against those people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But th- it goes for the same as like you're building a structure that's maybe risky and, you know, that would be. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I could just imagine the, the chaos if there was no regulation of this sort. But it does feel like I'm... And Canadians love regulation. Canada loves paperwork. Boy, do they ever. And signs and railings and just, yeah, traveling to a different country is the time, is how I, when I realized that Canada is just yeah. regulated up the wazoo. Totally. As yeah. my dad would put it. <laughs> <laughs> but it Anyways, does, it does it's feel, another combo. It does feel weird when you buy 100 acres in the middle of nowhere and you just decide you want to just do something. And you're like, are you putting a deck? Are you putting a deck on that property? You need a permit, son. Oh, God. It's like, it does feel like you're just kind of invading your privacy a little bit. It's like the, the gritty but, but in-between space of regulation and free will. Right. Totally. Yeah. The meat so in terms of BIRs, like what we've covered, what they are, yep. why they're important, how they come about in a real estate transaction. And so then is there a, what's, what's next? Anything? Well, in the due diligence process? Yeah. Or like, let's say you've had to resolve something or, or here's a question. How frequently do you see something on a BIR? Like, is it, how common is it to be? I would say it's probably like 5%. Oh, because otherwise they come back clean, as we say. Yeah, like the city of Kamloops has the the simplest form. I'm looking at it it's right great. now. It's so awesome. It just has the date, the property, and from the building engineering development division response, our records reveal no active per- building permits as of the above date. Yeah. They don't give too much detail. They're just basically saying... There's four checkboxes. There's nothing outstanding here. Yeah. Okay? Done. Otherwise, it's like the following active building permits are on file and expire on this day, which would mean like something that's in the works. Our re- records reveal the following expired building permits on file. 
or a building bylaw has been violated and the particulars are listed below. Right. Simple. Okay. Simple. And then you can just go and start doing your due diligence at the building uh, inspection office. There's a process there where you can actually get into a file and just review it yourself. Oh, nice. Under supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can then just do the work that you need to do to, to, to solve the problem. Understand the scope of it. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. Effort. It, you know, if you're, if you're doing a two-week due diligence process, this is going to be something you're going to have to hop right on because mm-hmm. uh, the city of Callum's, they're, any building inspection division, they're just not motivated by time. They have lots going on and yeah. realtors probably drive them crazy. Yeah. Your two-week due diligence window closing is not their emergency. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so you do your best. <laughs> And they're great there. You were speaking with someone at the office today who was yeah, uh, no, gave you awesome. lots of information and yeah. it's a, a friendly department, but very pleasant. But yeah. I would never, they got lots on the go. I would never go in there with a sobby face because I'm probably not going to get <laughs> need to turn that frown upside down. Yeah, yeah, make things good. So, so yeah, a little little nugget for you if you're mm-hmm. purchasing in our regional area. These are the things that uh, will come up, should come up, may come up, and um, how we deal with them and how you should deal with them. Yeah, I hope I hope we've illuminated this topic a little bit because it you were saying it's a question that you've received over your career a lot. Yeah. I felt like what is this? I would say that there's in a situation where you can't get your BIR in time, mm. lots of buyers are like, do we really need it? And like there's a world where I could say very much probably not, mm-hmm. but I can't say no for sure. Right. And if you want to take the risk, you can, but mm-hmm. there can be an um, like in a very obnoxious issue that's going to come your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Best to know what it looks like before you sign on. Yeah. Okay. And other regional areas, they don't do it. I know the CSRD, the Columbia Shushwap Regional District, they have a very similar process. Mm-hmm. Um, the Caribou District has a very similar process. I'm not sure about any other areas. Mm-hmm. If the big cities in the lower mainland, they probably do it as well. Yeah. But you have a realtor that comes in from out of district. They typically don't write that in their conditions. Oh, that's an interesting thing to watch for. I think it's just something that may or may not be tolerated in each district as um, regular due diligence. Well, now we know a little more about how Kamloops does it and surrounding region. (laughs) And surrounding regions, yeah. And there's an asterisk in there because the Kamloops uh, Indian Reserve does do it differently. Yeah. Um, they usually hire an engineer to oversee because they don't actually have a building inspection division. They have a housing division that deals with their inspection stuff, but because they're not actual engineers in there, they hire third party. Mm. So they actually follow the building code, but it doesn't have to follow the building code. Mm. It's complicated and it's another podcast, but (laughs) um, yeah, it works very much similar. They have a comfort letter system just to make sure you're following the bylaws of the of the particular area that they're in. Yeah. Um, Sun Rivers being the only one that really has a bylaw system in place for non-natives. Mm-hmm. And then, that I'm aware of, mm-hmm. Asterix. And then um, whether or not there was any sort of contravention on file. Right. Pretty simple too. Okay, well, I hope you appreciated this listen. If you're not currently thinking about buying a house, probably not something in your wheelhouse. But if you're thinking about buying a home or even selling a home and you might have cautionary considerations (laughs) about whether or not something's been permitted, anybody can go get this document from the uh, Building Inspection Division. It costs? 60 to 100 bucks. Yeah. Somewhere in that range, depending on what you're buying. Okay. Yeah. 
That's interesting. It's not free. It's not free, but it is accessible. I'm curious to know how much money they make from it. Sure, they say not enough, but if you look at my account, I'd say too much. Probably a lot. (laughs) Depending on how many transactions. Check the city records. That's for another day. Okay, thanks, Parker. Cool. Thanks for listening uh, this week, and uh, we have a 100th episode coming. It's very shortly, just a tippy-toe around the corner. (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Hey, thanks for listening to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes delivered right to your feed. And we want to hear from you. Send comments and questions to parker at royallepage.ca or reach out on Instagram at pbrealestater. <laughs>